you know, uh, just that that message that uh, God's love endures forever. And, uh, you know, that just I know that just resonated with all of us. And if you're not you've not experienced that, know this, that God loves you today and that his love, his love endures forever. He loves you this morning. If you've not experienced that, I invite you just to, to open your heart to what the Lord is going to say to you today. Because I understand that there, there's sometimes there's this weight that is upon our shoulders and life is like that. And, and I just want to, you know, uh, help you with that as you, you learn to walk with Christ. And so we're going to uh, a passage today. If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to First Corinthians. And I trust you brought the word with you today. If not, we'll have it on the screen. But we're not turning to the passage yet. But we're going to be in in First Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to be looking at a couple of verses there. And, of course, what we're talking about today, and you can see that there on the whiteboard here in the front, uh, we're, we're talking about regret. Um, and, and I know that's kind of a heavy topic, um, but it's, it's so relevant. It's so, I mean, it's, it's a part of life. And, and so what I want to do kind of as an icebreaker, I want to share with you ten things that you will never regret. Ten things that you'll never regret. And we have it on the screen here for you. Let's go ahead and look at these things. Ten things that you never regret. You'll never regret showing kindness to an aged person. If you agree with that, lift your hand in the air right now, okay? You'll never regret showing kindness to an aged person. You'll never regret destroying a letter, or I put on my list, email, written in anger. You'll never regret that. You'll never regret offering an apology that will save a friendship. You'll never regret stopping a rumor that was ruin, ruining a reputation. You'll never regret helping a boy or girl find themselves. You'll never regret taking time to show consideration to parents, brothers, and sisters. Amen? Uh, you'll never regret refraining from gossip when others around you delight in it. You'll never regret refusing to do a thing which is wrong, although others do it. You'll never regret, number nine, you'll never regret living according to your convictions. Uh, Move your head up and down. You agree with that, right? You'll never regret living according to your convictions. And the last one is, you'll never regret accepting the judgment of God on any question like, I can, but should I? (laughs) On May 6th, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in history to run a mile in less than four minutes. How many knew that already? Within two months, John Landy eclipsed the record by 1.4 seconds. On August 7th, 1954, the two met together for a historic race. As they moved into the last lap, Landy held the lead. It looked as if he would win. But as he neared the finish, he was haunted by the question, where is Bannister? As he turned to look, Bannister took the lead. Landy later told a Time magazine reporter, if I hadn't looked back... If I hadn't looked back, I I would have won. 
One of the most descriptive pictures of the Christian life in the, in the Bible that we can see is this, this idea that Paul gives us. And Paul loves, you know, painting pictures like this. And he's so dynamic about the spiritual life. And it is this idea that life is like running a race. And, and we are like this athlete in the spiritual journey. And that we are challenged to discipline ourselves. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we look there around verse 24 and 27. And it tells us that discipline is the key to winning. And we understand that as we discipline our bodies and we focus our mind upon the word of God and we apply the word of God to our life and we learn how to live that Christian life. And then in Hebrews, we look at chapter 12 around verses 1 and 2 there. Then we are encouraged, what the scripture reads there, we are encouraged to lay aside anything that might hinder our spiritual advancement. And stay focused on Christ. Anything that might hinder that spiritual advancement. Anything that might be that obstacle in this this race that we're running that is a spiritual race. Anything that might get in the way. And I think, I believe that regret falls into that category. That regret is, is that thing that, that so oftentimes as we begin to look at that something or, or whatever it is that maybe we've wrestled with in the past that, that kind of just gets out there and it just kind of hangs in front of us and it's preventing us from, from being what it is that God has called us to be. I mean, regret is powerful. I was reading back through a, an article that came out this week and it was giving us an update on, on uh, those high-profile, famous people, parents who paid this enormous amount of money to get their kids in Ivy League schools, like $500,000 so their kids could be you know, accepted in these schools. And, and uh, two of the people was Felicity Huffman and, and Lori Laughlin, two actresses. You remember that? And, and Felicity Huffman, she... Um, she accepted the plea bargain. In other words, she pleaded guilty and she's been handed down a sentence and her sentence is 14 days in jail, a $30,000 fine and some community service, kind of almost like a slap on the hands. And uh, somebody reported uh, Lori Laughlin, who pleaded not guilty, innocent, who, by the way, faces 40 years in prison if she does not win her case. She was recorded saying that she regrets not taking the plea bargain. I mean, we may not think so, but regret usually, regret usually has a very high price. I can't help but think of Judas Iscariot as he betrayed Christ and in his actions that he received the 30 pieces of silver. And, and I'm imagining the overwhelming emotion and the feelings of regret that Judas must have had as he, he, he did what he did in betraying the Savior. And then later on, of course, he hangs himself. And you can imagine the emotions that, that was running rampant and havoc in his mind as, as he had, you know, committed that act against the Messiah. And, and he's not alone. We go to the Apostle Paul. And, and did you know that the Apostle Paul had a great regret? In fact, we see his great regret come out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is our text this morning. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 9 here. And as we read this, and then later on we'll look at verse 10, but as we read this, we, we, we can imagine, you know, the emotion of the apostle as he's writing these words there in verse 9, looking at verse 9 first, and he writes it this way. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecute 
persecuted the church of God. So you can sense Paul's anguish over his past behavior and sins against the kingdom as he persecuted and as he beat Christians or those that were a part of the way. They didn't call them Christians yet, but they were part of the way. And you can imagine this thing, this shame that he was carrying upon his shoulders because of his actions before he became a Christian. So Paul, you know, you would say, if I met Paul, I'd say he's the greatest of all apostles. But Paul would not say that. He says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. I remember the first time, guys, that I was I was called a pastor. I was 26 years of age and Heidi was 21 and we had a baby. And, well, Courtney uh, was a toddler and our second child was a baby. And we were called to pastor church in Greenville, Texas. I'll never forget Jerry and Irene Wyatt. They were in their 80s and all. They were champion churchmen like the Webbs. And they just voted that morning to call us as their pastor. And, and the Wyatts invited us to lunch. You remember that, Heidi? And we go to lunch. And they used the title pastor. First time I ever heard it as pastor. And they called me pastor. And I'm telling you, the weight that came upon my shoulders with the fact that I was spiritually responsible for them, for this church now. I mean, it was... It was a responsibility, and at this time, I hadn't lived long enough to have any regrets. And so I'm trying to imagine the emotions of Paul as, as he now was an apostle of the gospel of Christ, and, and he had all the responsibility of ministry, but yet, you know, he had this life that he had lived, and he has this tremendous, you know, regret that he's carrying around. And it was definitely affecting him. I mean, for Paul, remember, he says, I am the chief of sinners. That's how Paul worded it. He said, I am the chief of sinners. This was real for Paul. Say, I would say this morning that regrets cause us to look backwards rather than forward. I mean, that's the thing. Regret causes us to look backward rather than forward. I mean, the enemy, you know, he loves to make life hard. He loves to make things difficult. He wants you to trip up. He wants you to fall. He wants you to be, you know, a bumbling, uh, you know, strained and, and discouraged believer. He doesn't want you to be a believer at all. I mean, he wants to make life as hard as hiking, you know, Mount Whitney backwards. Can you imagine that? Hiking Mount Whitney backwards, 11 miles up, backwards, steep, 11 miles back down. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's impossible. But that's exactly, as silly as that is, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you and your life. He wants to make it that hard. He wants to make it that difficult. Regret is foreboding. It is unsettled heartache that, that, that is produced because of maybe hurtful or violent behavior that has happened in the past. Or maybe it's hurtful words. Or, or maybe you're more introspective and you have a quiet personality. And maybe it's just thoughts that you have or some other action. I don't know. I don't want to try to define it for you. But, but it, is an, a power, it is a powerful emotion. You know, those things that we cannot take back because they've come out. And now we're trying to, you know, take them back. And, and maybe it's hurtful words. Or maybe it's disastrous decisions or maybe it's, you know, relationally centered, something about a relationship that's gone sideways or, or maybe a bad financial decision. Regret is also more insidious. It's maybe unfulfilled love or maybe an unfinished degree or maybe a missed opportunity. But for sure, sometimes there is something or, or things that we think are settled. Now listen to this. Things that we think are settled, but really it is more buried than settled. It is more set aside. It is something that it, it's not been dealt with. 
yet, but his foreboding, it is there and it, it's part of the memory that we have. And the enemy is using that to prevent you from rising up to be everything that God has called you to be. Now, now regret is not bad things that happen to you because bad things happen to everybody. We know this, you know, we know this for, for a fact. Maybe, maybe the transparency that God is calling us to is, it's the transparency of our, ourselves. That's why we come in and write some of these things on the, the whiteboard here. And maybe some things that have not been written on the whiteboard. The transparency with the Lord. It's a, it's a thing, regret is a thing that, that increases, you know, life's burden. I remember as a young man reading uh, Pilgrim's Progress. How many have ever read that book? And, and I, I kind of, I, I learned, I didn't realize it had been published so long ago, but it was published, I believe, in 1678 for the very first time, written by John Bunyan. It's a Christian allegory of, of this guy that's traveling through the world as a Christian. His name is Christian. That's the main character. And he's traveling through the valleys and up the mountains. And, and they have these spiritual titles and names. And he has this pack or this satchel on his back that is the size of a Volkswagen bug. And in that satchel, that pack, it represents all of his guilt and all of his shame and all of his sin. And he's trying to make it through life as he's carrying this pack upon his back. And he's trying to live with this burden. And of course, as you read the book, it begins to unfold that there is an answer for that burden that we carry. There's an answer for the heartache that we're going through. You see, the thing is, no one can see what you're carrying. No one can really see what that burden really looks like, that overwhelming, weighty burden that is pressing down. It feels like you're just holding up a parking garage because of this regret or this thing that is in your life or has been in your life. And maybe it's suffocating secrets or issues that are pervasive as a disease and it just seems like you can't shake it. I mean, you can, but it seems like you can't shake it. And maybe you even feel liberty this morning in this conversation because you have nothing to regret. But when you think about it, remember this, every time you say, every time that you say, I'm sorry, you're saying that you regret something. And so we remember Paul and the apostle and this, this great regret that, that he's carrying around. But praise be to God and our Father in heaven, for Paul does not stay there in verse 9. In fact, look at the very next verse, and we go to verse 10, and, and we find that Paul discovers the silver lining. He discovers the very salvation of, of his life and hope. In fact, look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, here it is, he's writing, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul's silver lining, his salvation, he describes here as the grace of God. And, and he does not deny the power surrounding the death, of course, and the birth and the death and the resurrection of Christ. In fact, it's in the power of that resurrection and in the blood of Christ that he discovers, you see, his freedom and life. And the reality that to be even called Christian or a part of the way is because of what Jesus Christ has done on Calvary. You see, Paul understands that. He's, he's internalized it. It's personal. And he realizes that God's love is lavished upon him as God lavishes his love upon us. 
He's showing us as he's writing here that, that God's ways leads us forward and God's way leads us to grace and God's way leads us to forgiveness and, and everlasting life. And, and really what Paul is doing, he's inviting us into this freshness and relationship with our Father in heaven by having that relationship with him in word and in peace and, and in prayer and in supplication as we engage our Father. He's talking about the grace that brings a, a future hope. And that's what Paul, you know, that Paul is driven by is that future hope. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3 and looking at verses 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul said, I press on. Remember this. He says, I press on forgetting those things which are behind and reaching to those things that are ahead. Because you see, the enemy wants you to live in the past. The enemy wants you to hang on to your regret and live in the darkness. He wants you to live a, a, a life that is defeated. But praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the words of Apostle Paul, there is freedom in Jesus Christ. I believe that. Amen. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. I understand also that sometimes our regret is attached to something that is out of our control. I understand that. I was just emotionally, I mean, just shaken when I read the article of Matilda K. Crabtree, 14 years of age, of, of uh, West Monroe, Louisiana. She and her father had this little game that they played that she would jump out and scare him and then return it sometime later. Dad would jump out and scare her. I play that game at my house with Heidi, by the way. <laughs> and she plays back, too. But this little Matilda, 14 years of age... Playing this game, she told her mom and dad that she was staying at a friend's house overnight, but she wasn't really. She hid in their closet. And dad came home. He was an officer. He had just taken his gun off. And he hears a noise. And he's thinking that his daughter is gone, not even thinking of her. And he opens the closet door and she screams boo. And as an automatic reaction, his finger pulls. The trigger hits her in the neck. And the last words she hear, he hears from his daughter is, Daddy, I love you. Talk about regret. Talk about regret. I think, and I don't want to speak for God, but I think if God had an 11th commandment, the 11th commandment would be, Thou shalt not blame thyself. Thou shalt not blame thyself. This morning... It, it is it is time to set it down. This morning, it's time that we take the regret and we take whatever the foreboding is and we take that memory and we say, Father in heaven, I'm going to present this to you and I'm going to set this down because we have liberty and we are set free in Jesus Christ. You see, not only apostle wants you to know that, but God wants you to know that you're set free in Christ. And I don't know what you're you're going through right now. I don't know what your, your days are like. Or maybe it's been a dark, dark valley this week. Or maybe there is something that has been foreboding. It's been present. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to just, I need to give this to you. I'm not going to point anybody out. or we're not. I, I, this is for you and the Lord. And what work he is doing in you. And by the way, he promises to bring to completion the work. That he starts in you and he wants to bring that to completion right now. And part of that is liberty and freedom in Jesus Christ. And he wants to just move you out of that place of regret and move you into a place of freedom and liberty and hopefulness, that hopeful future. Amen. 
Jesus wants to do that for you. I want to invite our servers to come. We're going to take communion today. And so appropriate. Because as we move out of, you know, this space or this time, maybe even a dark moment where there's this foreboding or this regret that we have, things that we're sorry for, I cannot think of a better way to celebrate our liberty in Christ and participating in Holy Communion. Because it's in communion that we are reminded of the blood of Christ that was shed for us and the power in that blood, even one drop of that blood, that, that all of our sins are washed and cleansed. It's as if the whiteboard has been erased. Did you know that? It's as if the whiteboard has been erased for you. Jesus brings you that kind of freedom. In the blood, in the body that laid down, the sacrifice that he made, the last sacrifice would ever be needed to be made so that we might rise up and have relationship with God. God wants to do that for you.